0: Let's take our Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 51. Good to be in the house of God with you this morning on the Lord's Day, first day of the week. And Isaiah 51 in one hand, if you would, and then Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm always tempted to say it the way the kids all said it, Deuteronomy. Kids would always pronounce it that way. Let's start out with Isaiah chapter 51 and verse one, Isaiah chapter 51 and verse one. Hearken to me ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn. Okay, there's our solid footing. And to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. That's the circumstances that God redeemed us from. And, of course, he relates that to Israel in the verses that follow. But I know there's application to us here this morning. And then let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it's good to remind ourselves of some things from time to time. And starting in verse 10, especially if you've been saved any length of time. He says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware. Verse 12, I want to put my emphasis there this morning. Then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And notice it's the Lord who brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage that we are to remember. So lest we forget, we'll look to the hole of the pit from which we were digged and remember some things that the Lord Delivered us from. Let's pray. Father, help us now. Thank you for these songs we were able to sing together, for the wonderful meaning of them, for this time of year, Lord, when even a lost world acknowledges our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his birth. Help us to be diligent in our witness for you. Help us in the moments we have together this morning now. And thank you for the fellowship we've enjoyed and all this time of worship of you. And now, Lord, as part of that worship, we would look at your word and we would, by your grace, submit to it. Help me to say those things which edify. Help me to say those things which are on your list of things for me to do this morning. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We looked at the whole of the pit of delusion. And most of us found ourselves there before we got saved. We were deluded about our spiritual situation. And uh, many of us were lost and on our way to hell and didn't even know it. And we look back on it, it's a frightening proposition. To think we were only one heartbeat from spending an eternity in a Christless hell. And then we looked at the whole of the pit of debt. A debt that we could never pay to God A debt that we owed him the Bible says the wages of sin and we had earned them well the wages of sin is death and we talked about that the whole of the pit of debt and then last week we looked at the whole of the pit of divorce and for many this morning when God saved you from your sins he also saved your marriage and if you already had divorce in your background he saved you from a lifetime of bitterness about it. And people get very bitter from that experience. And God can deliver us from that as well. I want to start by looking this morning at the hole of the pit of despair. Another D, and it's found in Psalm 69. Let's turn there. Psalm chapter 69. And David finds himself in that pit in this portion of Scripture. And he finds deliverance as well. And he says, "'Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God.'" They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. O God, (coughs) thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel." Because for thy sake I have borne reproach, shame hath covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my brethren, and an alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gates speak against me, and I was the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire, verse 14, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me. Neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy lovingkindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. And I think we've all been there from time to time. Maybe you're there this morning. And despair is very synonymous with desperate sorrow and sometimes regret. There's a quiet desperation that can go with that, and sometimes a hopelessness, which oftentimes leads to suicide. And uh, we've talked about that in the past, and we'll talk about it a little bit this morning as well. There was an article in Time Magazine not too long ago entitled, Have We Lost the Will to Live?, Speaking, the epidemic of, speaking of the epidemic of suicide that we have in our country, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but um, despair, despair. And I think one of the biggest things about despair, especially for somebody that doesn't know the Lord, is a sense of no mercy, the sense of no mercy. You know, as a Christian, I hope we don't take for granted the fact that we're forgiven in Jesus Christ. That we're accepted in the beloved because that mercy is a great thing to, to make despair flee out of our hearts and minds. The Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The Bible says in Isaiah 1, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And how important is it that God forgives us our sins? How important is it that God extends mercy? How important is it that God encourages us to repentance and confession of sin so we can experience that mercy and wipe away the despair that comes from unforgiven sin and continual guilt? God's mercy and grace make all the difference in the world, folks. It makes all the difference in the world. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. Isn't it good to know that God is a God of new things? And God makes things new. Even though we make mistakes and commit sins, and we trip and we falter, and we just sometimes bung it up, don't we? But God is a God of mercy, and it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, Blessed is the man who can understand Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, when his past haunts him. Blessed is the man that can understand Romans 8, 28 when his circumstances don't work out. We know that all things work together for what? Good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And uh, you know, sometimes when I do something stupid that just uh, amazes even myself, In its stupidity, sinning a sin that I shouldn't have sinned, and I know better about. I think of Psalm seventy-six, verse ten, that He maketh the wrath of man to praise Him. That even that He can turn to His glory and honor, if we'll just come to Him in in repentance and confession of our sins. How about uh, Philippians chapter three, verse thirteen? Forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things that are before. When the highs and lows of life threaten to bring us to points of hurtful pride or hopeless despair, that verse is there for us. First John 1, 9, when we sin in direct disobedience to God's word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, I'm talking about the antidote to despair this morning. I'm talking about the antidote to despair. Uh, Let me show you one of the greatest transformations that you'll ever see in this regard. Flip back to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm chapter 13. God has given us a lot of tools against this problem of despair and hopelessness. And one of them is forgiven sins and the promise of his love and his continual fellowship. And so many others. But here's another one. The power of prayer. Notice in verse 1, David says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Now, folks, that sounds like a guy that's involved in a level of despair, does it not? Well, notice what he does in the next two verses. He does some real praying. He says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Pretty serious stuff, folks. Pretty serious stuff. And then notice the next two verses. Notice the transformation. He says, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt with bountifully with me. Verses 5 and 6 don't even look like the same guy in verses 1 and 2, do they? I mean, this looks like a completely different guy in verses 5 and 6. And what's the difference? The difference is prayer. (coughs) The difference is verses 3 and 4. Can I challenge you to do something this afternoon? If you're you're wrestling with some sort of despair, if you find yourself in verses 1 and 2, let me challenge you. Don't turn the television off. Or don't turn the television on, I'm sorry. Don't turn the television on. Uh, just shut down all of your screens. Forget your nap. Get down on your knees. Spend some time in prayer. And let God work on your heart and soul and mind. And God can take you from verses 1 and 2 to verses 5 and 6. Folks, God has given us the antidotes for despair. Jesus said, I came that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. And many of us, when we got saved, were able by God's grace to pick up the pieces of a broken life. And even now, you should be able by God's grace to rise above the clouds of circumstances. Paul said that he could be content in whatsoever state he was in. And I remember when we were moving out here back in 84, Uh, We had folk in Pennsylvania uh, talk to us about going to Idaho. They always say Iowa, Iowa. They couldn't think that far west. And I would always tell them, I said, look, the Bible says we can be content in whatsoever state we are in. Amen. Um, You know, you get looking around you and you look at the politics of our day. You look at the political situation. You look at the world. You look at the wars. You look at the assault on our values in our country, by people that are running the show, and and sometimes you can get to a point of despair. But when I think of those things, I think of one Thessalonians chapter four, where the Bible tells us the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to take the church, and then I get to Revelation chapter nineteen, where Jesus Christ is coming back with the church to judge and to make war and to set all of this right. All these crazies that want to stand. Every law and norm that's been established by God in his word, they want to set it on its head. They want to turn it upside down. The Lord Jesus Christ (coughs) has got something to say about that. And he's coming back in Revelation chapter 19 to set everything right. And if you just keep your eyes on him, he'll get you over any temptation to be filled with despair. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You might be saying this morning, well, I have despair because I don't feel like I have any allies. Well, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Maybe you're here this morning because you've lost a lot of hope, but the Bible says looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to his return. And over and over again, we hear about it, people committing suicide, people that seem to have everything the world has to offer, education, status, notoriety, wealth, uh, health, good family, lots of friends, and then they take the short way out. And, and what is that all about, folks? <clears throat> what is that all about? Well, every suicide note that was ever written is rife with hopelessness. It's rife with hopelessness. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. You're saved here this morning. You have a hope that's an anchor to your soul, both sure and steadfast, And, of course, that hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me make a few comments this morning on the subject of of suicide because it is an epidemic, and it's not beyond some Christians to commit suicide. And so the first thing I would say to you this morning, anytime you have thoughts of suicide or you're tempted to kill kill yourself, remember something that did not come from God. God's not going to tell you to do that. God's not going to tell you to take the short way out. Remember that. That comes from Satan. That comes from the devil and his minions, not from God. Number two, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. And that's such a colossal lie. The lie is that, well, everybody would be better off without me. Everybody would be better off without me. When the reality of it is, is if you take your life, you are going to hurt you are going to hurt tremendously those that are closest to you. You will hurt them for a lifetime. They will wrestle with that on and off for a lifetime. That is a lie of Satan. Number three, watch your talk. Watch your talk. You know, sometimes the backflow of our words of despair can work against us. Watch what you say. Uh, Take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 4. Turn there for a second and look at this great verse. And, folks, this is a command. This is a command to all of us. But this is one of the most therapeutic things you can do. This will do more for you than reading four or five psychology books on the subject of despair, hopelessness, and suicide. Just this one verse. Look at verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, (coughs) whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he's saying if there's any virtue, any praise, lock in on that and magnify that in your mind. Don't go running around looking for the bad news. I mean, it's there. It's easy to find, isn't it? Do you ever notice how bad, bad news seems to be the thing that sells? You know, as soon as there's a catastrophe, all the, all the news networks have to be on it and give you the, the blow for blow for blow, you know, and the, and, the, and the change of the color of the pus hour by hour. Huh? And, 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 folks, we don't have to look long and hard for that stuff. It's all around us. But God tells us to be investigators for, for things that are true, You say, well, everybody's a liar these days. There's so much lying going on. Okay, there are some true things, are there not? All right, then the Bible says, think on those things. Things that are honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise. Paul says, think on these things. Think on these things. How therapeutic is that? And... uh, Uh, watch out for talking about suicide too much. Suicide is a lot like I said to you last week about divorce. The more you talk about it, the more plausible it becomes. Now, if you need to get some help, reach out and get some real help. But don't threaten people with it and don't keep talking about it in the disparaging tones because you'll start convincing yourself that it's a rational option. And one of these days, you'll say, well, maybe I just will. Maybe I should. Maybe I'm going to right now. you got to be careful about that. Um, Number five, remember, there's a better day coming. There is a better day coming. Uh, You know, there's a phrase in the Bible that you read over and over and over again, and it says, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. And folks, you might be in a bad spot right now and think that the day you're in is going to go on and on and on forever, but it's not. It came to pass, and it will pass. You can find a better day. Just hang in there. Number six, get some small victories. Get some small victories. Do something doable. Uh, Clean your wallet out of your purse. Clean a drawer out. Clean the garage. Get your car washed, okay? Write a letter to somebody. Hand a gospel tract to somebody. Just some small little victory. You're not a loser. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Number seven, you're not alone. Others have wrestled with the same thing. When I preached on suicide, we found six instances in the Word of God, And only one of those was Judas, who did commit suicide, but we found five other instances where people were talking that way, thinking that way, even including Moses. And so you're not alone. It doesn't make you a weirdo. Number eight, remember that God cares. God cares. If the circumstances you find yourself in are self-inflicted wounds, then go to him in repentance. Go to him in repentance and say, Lord, I blew it. I messed up. I messed up. In the middle of that whole portion of Scripture there in Psalm 69, David talks about his iniquities. And he brings those things to God in repentance. And then confess your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God loves you more than you know. God loves you more than you know. And folks, there's always hope where there is God, folks. There is always hope where there is God. Um, Sir Winston Churchill said shortly after World War II, he said, quote, I am an old man. I have lived a long time. I have never seen days like these. I am tired of it all. I see no hope for the future. Our problems are beyond us. And you might look around at the world stage today and look at our country, and you might agree with them and say our problems are beyond us, <coughs> but they are not beyond Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and go to Isaiah chapter 6. Go to Isaiah chapter 6. And this is going to be an off quoted thing this time of year around Christmas. And bear in mind that it is prophetic, and it is on the horizon, folks. Okay, I, dis- I did a, uh, what do you call that when you flip it around? Juxtapose, that's too fancy a word. <laughs> I, I dyslexed it. <laughs> uh, look at Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Churchill said our problems are beyond us. You look at the world around us and you might come to the same conclusion, but they are not beyond him upon whom the government will rest. It'll be upon his shoulder. And folks, won't that be a time? Won't that be a time when he's running things as king of kings and lord of lords? He is coming back, folks. He is coming back. Better to hope, though the clouds hang low and keep the eyes still lifted, for the sweet blue skies will soon peep through when the ominous clouds are rifted. There was never a night without a day, nor an evening without a morning. And the darkest hour, as the proverb goes, is the hour before the dawning. Look up now, Christian. Your hope is coming. He's coming back, folks. He's coming back. The hole of the pit of despair. Let's take our Bibles and go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I think it comes down to who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what this world tells us? Are we going to believe what the news tells us? Or are we going to look to the word of God and believe what God tells us? Titus chapter 2, and the Bible says in, in, verse, in verse 12, teaching us, that is the grace of God that brings salvation is appeared to all men, verse 11, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world look at verse 13 folks this is the truth of god looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior jesus christ folks he could come back before the service is over this morning he'd come back this afternoon he'd come back tonight he could come back tomorrow he could come back this week but he is coming back he said he was coming back And that means he's coming back, folks. And the things we see going on around us are literally prophetic. God, if you read his word, especially the book of Revelation, said things were going to get worse before they get better, man. I mean, this world is coming unhinged. It's all coming together under the banner of the Antichrist. All this globalism. And and you look, and, and if you're like me, it's maddening to see our country being given away. But folks... God said it was gonna happen. And 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 folks, it, it just it's a sign of the times and it points to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, we don't have to be filled with despair. We can be filled with hope. We can be filled with hope because he is coming back, and the Bible calls that our blessed hope. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you, thank you for all these antidotes to despair. We think of forgiven sin. We think of repentance. We think of prayer. We think of your promises. And we think as we look at the world stage and how cluttered with debris that it is, we think of the return of our Savior Jesus Christ. And thank you that one day he will rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords and the government will indeed be upon his shoulder and Lord we thank you for those great truths this morning fill our hearts with hope and help us to go forth into a hopeless world with the hope of our Savior Jesus Christ for it's in his name we pray amen let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 391 number 391 we have an anchor number 391 Sean Holes. Brother Sean, would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer, please? Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray.
1: Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is so powerful, Lord God, and it cleanses us, Lord God, by its truth. Thank you, God, that we can come here and be fed. God, I thank you for the visitors that came here today. I pray that they saw something that they haven't seen in other churches, God, and they'll return Thank you for all the servants here that are teaching in the classes on this campus, God, and they're so dedicated and determined to teach these young people the truth and, and about your grace and your love and your forgiveness, God. Thank you for those, those soldiers for Christ. God, we want to serve you, and especially during this holiday season, I pray that during Christmas we can be a bright light in a dark world, yes, but I pray that we can open our mouths. I pray that we can tell people the truth of this great Savior, this Redeemer that came to save us. God, let us just remember that it's a great opportunity that we've been given in this country. We still have a lot of freedom, and we can tell a lot of people still about Jesus Christ, Lord. Send us out today, Lord God, being with our families and getting some rest and coming back this afternoon, this evening, to hear these little kids sing. I know they're going to be singing tonight, God, and uh, what an encouragement that there's a that the, the torch is being handed off, Lord. These little ones, Lord God, are next. And so, God, may we come back tonight to be fed, but also to be encouraged. Also, Lord God, to have fellowship. God, thank you for all the blessings that you bestowed upon us. We love you. We pray these things by the power of the blood and the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.